Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's a new era for the Tennessee Titans. Brian Callahan is officially the coach. He has been introduced. He has signed his contract. He has had his press conference. And uh, everybody uh, everybody is, I guess, sort of basking in the glow of, uh, of the optimism that always exists at moments like this for uh, football teams, whether it's in the NFL, whether it's college football. I think probably the same thing happens even at the high school level quite a bit. Uh, Brian Callahan, a first-time head coach, former offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, where he was not the play caller on offense, but uh, but intends to be the play caller for the Titans, he said. Uh, the son of a former NFL head coach, as, as we have discussed previously here, Bill Callahan, and uh, um, uh, that puts him in rare company, I guess, in terms of a second-generation head coach and and you would have to think that will serve him well in the role, but uh, but we will see. He is he is the man in charge of the football team. He is not the man in charge of the organization. Another development this week is that uh, Amy Adams Strunk has uh, has created a clear chain of command in terms of the football operations and uh, former general general manager, now executive vice president, Rand Carthen is the. Uh, is the man at the top of that ladder, followed by Chad Brinker, who is the president of football operations now, and then I guess uh, I guess Brian Callahan is is third or or maybe even lower on that list. Uh, but uh, that uh, that was an important development, and to the Titans' credit, something that they promised that uh, in the wake of Mike Brable's firing, that uh, that when all that when the coach search was done, that that they would define the roles and the pecking order more clearly. So they, they followed through on that. We will, uh, we will, we will look at, uh, at those things and more in this episode of the believe in Titans podcast, as usual with former Titans cornerback, Denard Walker, Denard, how are you? I'm doing great this evening. How are you doing, David? Doing great. John Glennon of the Nashville post. John, how are you? Well, hope you guys are. Doing great, and uh, I am David Beauclair, and we thank you all for uh, waiting a day for this to drop. We uh, we figured it was prudent to uh, to hold off on recording this podcast until after Brian Callahan conducted his introductory press conference, which he did on Thursday afternoon before a uh, a big crowd of of media and and other folks, including. Uh, including Brian Callahan's first boss in the coaching industry who flew in the red eye from California to be there to to support him. But uh, before we get into all of that, we do have to take a moment to uh, to give a shout out to a former Titans player and a, uh, a one-time teammate of our man Denard Walker here, Terry Killens a linebacker and special teams ace back in the day is going to make a little bit of history here in a couple weeks. He is the umpire on uh, referee Bill Vinovich's crew these days and uh, as such has been selected to work the Super Bowl. And Terry Killens 
will be the uh, the first person ever to have played in a Super Bowl. Of course, having done so, Super Bowl thirty four back in uh, two thousand with the Titans against the Rams, and now to uh, officiate in a Super Bowl. So, uh, um, Denard, tell us about Terry Killens real quickly, and uh, is it uh, is is it sort of an odd development for you to you that uh, that that he's a guy who would go into officiating, or does this make sense to you that that he has had the success he's had post playing career in this way? Uh, I'm still shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people change over time. And first of all, I would say congratulations to Terry. Terry was a good friend of mine's, and he came in a year before me. Uh, 96, he was a third round draft pick, uh, for the Houston Oilers. And, uh, TK is a great player. He's a great special teams player. He's a backup linebacker, very consistent, uh, just a great individual. I just didn't think that Terry of all people would go into officiating. Now that's what's shocking to me. Yeah. It, it, I, you know, I, I, he wasn't the type, he wasn't a player that I know I talked to a lot back in those days. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know that I had a real sense of uh, of sort of what his motivations might be afterward. I I remember I remember the guy could run. That was that was one thing. I mean, whether he by linebacker standards, even probably by safety standards, he was uh, he was he could really run, which which made him a great special teams player. And the photos I've seen of him here lately looks like he's even in better shape now. He's uh, he's he's lean and mean compared to. Uh, compared to what he was in his playing days so uh my guess is uh you know relative to some of the uh some of the other officials you see out there at times i think uh i, I think terry killens is probably well equipped to keep up with the speed of the game at least if nothing else so uh so salute to terry killens and uh and be on the lookout for him as as the umpire he'll he'll be the one throwing flags for holding i guess primarily and uh and if you uh, if you have you have beef with that during the Super Bowl, it'll be with Terry Killens. But uh, but again, on to the the big news of the day. Brian Callahan is uh, is now the man, the uh, the newest head coach of the Tennessee Titans, having replaced Mike Vrabel. Uh, John Glennon, you were in the building at the uh, at the press conference today. What was uh, what was your big takeaway from the proceedings? You know, I, I thought uh, he made a good, uh, very good first impression. Uh, you know, he came across as an uh, intelligent guy, uh, thoughtful, forward thinking. Um, you know, he clearly has an emotional side to him uh, as well. He got choked up in the early going, talking about all the people that he, that he wanted to thank over the course of his career. Uh, um, so there are a lot of good things to be said. I, I think as far as the decision to, to hire him, um, you know, in particular, um, I, I think on paper, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, you look at the Titans right now uh, and they have a terrible offense. There's no, no way of getting around it. Last year, 28th overall yards, 29th passing yards, 27 points. And so not only do they have a terrible offense, but they also have a very young up and coming quarterback. So what do you what kind of coach do you do you want to hire? You want to get an offensive mind, uh, and you want to get a guy who has worked with quarterbacks over the course of his career. Boom! Uh, you, you hit two for two there in Brian Callahan, who has an extensive track record with with quarterbacks. Everybody from Peyton Manning when he was a young uh, offensive assistant 
Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, and even Jake Browning towards the end of last year. And, you know, the Bengals offenses, when Joe Burrow has been healthy, Bengals offenses with uh, uh, Brian as a uh, as an offensive coordinator have been very good. So on paper, this, this makes a lot of sense. You know, he left a good impression. Uh, you know, my only concern, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit more, is, you know, a lot of people are saying, Oh, this guy shaped Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr. You know, he he made them the quarterbacks they are. You know, made Peyton Manning a better quarterback. Let, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. You know, I, I think he has been their coach, but didn't necessarily make them. But we'll get into that a little, little bit further, maybe. Uh, I, I will say right now, on paper, this this makes a lot of sense. And I was impressed with, with Brian Callahan at his presser today. Yeah, I want to I want to get on that point because that's one of the that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. And you know, I've said it here in the last couple of weeks. I'm always wary of of coaches who make their reputation with great quarterbacks because I think great quarterbacks make bad coaches look good. I'll, I'll say this: that among the things that I, I think the thing I liked best about Brian Callahan's performance in his press conference was he did not try to take any credit for anything that Peyton Manning did, that Matthew Stafford did, that Derek Carr did during the times he was with them. And in each case, it was all well into their careers. In fact, it was just the opposite. He talked about things he learned from being around those guys and the way they approached their job and and, and things that he can take from them that he can impart to a young quarterback like Will Levis and, and help Will Levis try to, to grow into the NFL, which, you know, as he noted, it, it's a hard league and, and it's hard on quarterbacks. I, I thought, uh, I thought that was, uh, that was a really promising moment for him today. And, and, and similarly, you know, one thing that drives me crazy with offensive coordinators, particularly when they get to be head coaches, is that they, they all tend to talk and act like, they have an offensive scheme that is bulletproof that you know there's there's nothing there's nothing in there that that uh, that is possibly wrong or bad it's you know they they almost talk like they all have the perfect scheme and and, and Callahan didn't do that either he talked about uh, he he said something to the effect of you know every week there will be a, enough plays in the scheme it's up to the staff and the players during the course of the game to figure out what it's going to take to win on that particular day. And, and, and you know, it, it, I don't think he looks at anything he has as, well, this is, this is a guaranteed play every Sunday, every time we run it, whatever. And, and in a subsequent uh, question about, you know, his views on a, a balanced attack, he said, well, of course, everybody wants to be balanced. Ultimately, you want to be able to run the ball as much as you can throw the ball. But on, on some Sundays, you're going to have to run it all day. On some Sundays, you're going to have to throw it all day. And and when we get into it, we'll, you know, we're going to do whatever we have to do to try to win. So I thought I thought it was kind of the things he didn't say today that that made the uh, that made the best impression on me. Uh, Denard, were you, were you able to to watch it and, and get a feel for uh, for what uh, what the Titans are getting in this guy? No, no, but I, I kind of look at the pedigree. Uh, that's something that really intrigued me, uh, David, because 
You look at a lot of the coaches in the league. Look at Cal Shanahan. I mean, where do you think he learned how to call plays? Do you think it's by coincidence or the fact that your dad is one of the greatest offensive minds in the business or was? And uh, and I and I had a chance to uh, – and I looked at his dad because I actually went against his dad when I moved over to the AFC West. And Bill Callahan, I tell you, when you talk about those Oakland teams in the early 2000s, late 90s, they were a monster, especially that offensive line. And what it was intriguing to me, I, I, you look at the way that the offensive line played. Do you think that there's a chance that Bill Callahan could uh, possibly follow his son to Nashville? Because that would be a great hire. The question, the question was raised today, and uh, and we got the uh, got the big brush off of. Well, he's under contract. I can't talk about it either way. So, uh, I, 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 you know, I interpret that as yes, there's a possibility, but. Uh, but it, you know, he was. I guess he was also asked uh, at any point during the process. Has had he talked to his dad about the two of them working together, and and he said he had not. But uh, um, you know, I mentioned that last week. Amy Adams Strunk said that uh, you know who a person can potentially hire was going to be a big factor in the uh, in the in the process and ultimately their decision. And and I would think if you could get Bill Callahan in here. To, if you if you had said in the interview I can get Bill Callahan here to coach this offensive line that that would have been a uh, a big plus in his favor and, and it's and it's clear you know we we talked about this last week it it, it was clear from the get go this guy was a front runner if not the front runner in this process and uh, um, John the, there was talk of collaboration again today uh, um, you know how how big how I guess ultimately, how much do you think that factored into this decision, or 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 what do you what what's your sense of what actually, you know, z- got people zeroing in on on Callahan for this job? I think it was uh, you know a, a, a very clear attraction on both sides right away is what I got out of the the presser today. Uh, you know, Amy Adams Strunk uh, uh, talked about. You know how she felt uh, an instant connection uh, with him, and one of the reasons why, and she she could have included Rand Carth in, in in this too, is that they are the um, the 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 children of uh, you know people who have spent in professional football, obviously. But uh, Adams was the, was the owner for for such a long time. We just talked about Bill Callahan, and if you want to add Rand Carthen, obviously his dad uh, was Maurice Carthen, you know the uh, the the longtime Giants uh, player as well. So. She and felt that an executive that in the league in his own right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, she she felt that instant attraction. She she uh, you know thought there was there was it, it was a hit uh, you know and, and obviously you know by the fact that she did not want to let him go uh, um, you know after that second interview that that she wanted to complete something. I, I think we saw just how uh, quickly things had formed and. And on the other side of things, we had Brian Callahan, who said today that after his first Zoom, uh, you know, this was not the in-person interview, but just the first Zoom, he said he felt like he he, he put down, uh, uh, you know, or I'd cut off his Zoom, and, and he felt like he wanted to pick up the phone and call Rand Carthen and say, hey, whatever we got to do, let's get this thing done. Um, because Rand Carthen said, uh, excuse me, Brian Callahan said he felt um, – uh, what he particularly liked, he he felt it was an atmosphere very similar to the one he was potentially leaving in Cincinnati. And and he said, I loved it here in Cincinnati, and I got the same kind of feeling, the same sort of you know the the family feel, what whatever 
whatever it was. Uh, so there, there was clearly, you know, a locked in sentiment, I think, on, on both sides. And that's why the Titans really didn't go forward, uh, you know, with any other second interviews. The only other person that had a second interview was Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator for the Panthers. And I think he probably would have been the least likely of all the candidates to, to get this job. Um, so, you know, you can make the argument, hey, you know, shouldn't you have given Bobby Slowick another try? Uh, shouldn't you have maybe Mike McDonald? What about Aaron Glenn? Uh, um, you know, a, a lot of the guys that, that maybe you should have waited and, and had a second look, but it, it sounds like not. it was certainly not a one-sided thing, uh, you know, that, that both sides wanted to get this done as quickly as possible and, uh, you know, obviously seemed very pleased with the outcome. Yeah, you wonder if the the second interview with Thomas Brown maybe isn't as much about an offensive coordinator position or or some other position on the staff. You know, if we recall back in 2018, the Titans went two for one that way. They, uh, you, you know, of the people they interviewed, Mike Vrabel, of course, got the job. Matt Lafleur was was also one of the candidates and ends up coming here as uh, as the offensive coordinator, and then a year later leaves a, a, to become head coach at, at Green Bay. Uh, you know, Callahan did say too. I thought this was interesting. That uh, you know, of course, we all know there are there are collective bargaining rules about uh, what what teams can ask of players during the off season and whatnot. And and Callahan said, of course, he's very eager to to meet the players, and that beginning first thing tomorrow, he's got an open door policy, and and even encouraged any players who happen to be watching the uh, press conference live or or on the. Uh, or on the video that that is available online, you know, to to come by and see him. So so Denard, you know, when when this happens, how how quickly how eager are guys to get in the building, introduce themselves, shake the shake hands with this guy, and 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 start to get to know him and and build some sort of relationship with a new head coach. Still off season, you probably want to see one guy around the facility. So. <laughs> Except those are <laughs> still rehabbing, right? He did. He did say he saw Will Levis in there today. Yeah. Hey, well, you know what? That's probably why they made the hire because you got a young quarterback, and not to mention, you know, when you look at this league, David and and John, they're going towards youth. I mean, it's a new, it's a new ball game. I mean, you look at Mike McDonald uh, in Miami, what he's doing, especially the way he's rolling up his pants. I don't know what's going on with him. (laughs) A little fast and trim, but you look at Kevin O'Connell. You know, leaves the Rams, you know, uh, great job in the Super Bowl. And then he goes over to Minnesota. And I thought Kirk Cousins was having a heck of a year. I mean, he was on fire until he got hurt. And then when you look at guys like D'Amico Ryans, he's like the only defensive coach that looked like he got hired last year. They're going offensive-minded. They know they want to score points. And if you look at this Titans offense, I mean, they were abysmal uh, this past year. Look at Cal Shanahan. Look at – it's just uh, Zach Taylor. What, Zach Taylor's 40? Yeah. He's young. Uh, Shane Steichen, 38, uh, comes over from Philly offensive – it seemed like it's a theme. You yeah. know, guys are, you know, Shane Steichen, Nick Sirianni, Kevin O'Connell, you think about it. Who was that? Um, Sean McVay. It's like, you didn't think they looked into that? Sean McVay is yeah, one of the youngest coaches in the league right now. Uh, what is he, 12? Yeah. 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 And, yeah. I, I, I was, I was going to say, too, when you look at the guys who have not been hired also, you look at Bill Belichick, who many consider to yeah. be the greatest coach of all time, I agree. So, you know, there's 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 three three teams left with an opening, and he doesn't have a, a one of those jobs yet. And you look at Mike Vrabel, who's not an old guy, 
uh, at 54, but he's not he's not one of these uh, kids like we've been talking about here either. And he's you know he's been a swing and a miss at at three different places now also. So certainly uh, you're, you're right the that the trend is moving towards towards youth and and maybe it's it's an idea too. I I I get the idea that you know we're we're maybe previously. Some of these guys that we just mentioned, a Belichick and, and a Brable, to some extent, you know, it's more of an authoritarian kind of coach, like, you know, my yeah. way or the highway uh, to some extent. And and these guys, you're coming in, you know, you, you definitely don't get that same um, vibe from them, you know, like like Brian Callahan talked about today, you know, and, and, and maybe every coach says it, but, you know, the whole, the whole open door situation. And he talked a lot about feedback. He He likes to get feedback from players. To incorporate that into his his schemes and game plans as well. So I I, I think you're right in the, in that uh, in that idea. Yeah, there's there, there's very much a, a new wave coming in. Brian Callahan, we should note, is 39 years old, uh, uh, get, getting close to 40 in his own right, and uh, and you know to to the point too that he is a second generation guy. He talked about you know when he was with the Raiders sitting in the you know quarterback or when his dad was with the Raiders excuse me and he's a teenager sitting in the quarterback meetings with John Gruden not necessarily sitting there thinking okay when I'm a coach someday you know this is what I'm going to do but but he has those memories in his mental rolodex if you will and and certain things will come up and he can re- he can recall and say oh you know what I saw John Gruden talk about this or I saw John Gruden handle a guy this way or I I remember when my dad had this issue with a play and uh, and and similarly, uh, I, you know what's interesting to me is uh, you, John. You you referenced his uh, his getting emotional when he talked about Zach Taylor, and and he came back to that and said how Taylor very much treated him sort of as an assistant head coach, and 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 you know would would tell him, hey, I'm having this issue right now, just so you know, and and this is what I think I'm going to do, but but what do you think? Do you have any in, you know, you have any ideas or or something comes up and he would stick his head, you know, Zach Taylor would stick his head in Callahan's office and say, "Hey, you know what? You should write this down because I just went through this and this is how it ultimately worked out and that that should be something for you to remember, you know, when you become a head coach. It, it you know, this I I almost feel like that's a better thing. You know, we we've talked about it. You know, coordinators don't necessarily make great head coaches, right? And uh Denard, you mentioned Mike McDaniel earlier and and he's a guy that I think of in this in this instance. You you kind of go back just to the Titans game. And I thought I saw it a couple other times this year that, you know, this is a guy who's clearly a, a, a dynamic offensive mind, a good play caller, but, but it seems like when his game plan doesn't work, he, he doesn't know necessarily where to go to find answers. So the fact that, uh, the fact that, that Brian Callahan wasn't a play caller in Cincinnati, but was effectively being groomed to be a head coach, uh, almost makes me feel better about the uh, the prospects for success with the Titans here. So, uh, so if if uh, but but back to your point, if if guys aren't in the building, will guys at least reach out? Will will uh, is it up to the head coach to to reach out and say, hey, just want to let you know I'm here? Or you know how does how does that start? Or is it is it in April when guys show up for the off season training program finally? I think it's more of April because uh, you probably won't see that many guys around, especially this time of year and, and especially with the season that they had. This, this is a chance for them to get away and to get mentally 
uh, kind of revitalized, you know, after last season. But uh, if Will Levis was around, I expect him and Will Levis to have a, a great conversation because that's ultimately what's going to hinge on you staying in Nashville is, is kind of the process of how, if he gets better or not, if you see a, a downfall in Will Levis, then if you're Brian Callahan, you probably would be out of the building because that's what everything is predicated around is how is your quarterback evolving? We saw that Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa in Miami. If you go down to a, a great instance, if you look at what's going on in Detroit, I mean, yeah. is, is it me or is it Jerry Goff has absolutely been playing lights out? I mean, I wasn't expecting this. And you think about just a few years ago, this was the number one draft pick coming out. He goes to L.A. and then he is like leads him to a Super Bowl and then they just run him out of there for Matthew Stafford. He goes to Detroit. You think there's no way that and then they go out and have Dan Campbell, who's a defensive. Well, I'm sorry. He played tight end for a long time in the league. But if you look at the look at the process, look how good he's gotten. And now you talk about one of the hottest coaches in the league. Look at Dan Campbell. Yeah. Makes him the quarterback makes a head coach looks real, real good. It makes him look um, beautiful. Exactly. I, I, I would, Go ahead, John. I, I was, yeah, I was just going to say real, real quick. That, that to me, one one sort of a, a tangent here. But um, when you talk about Jared Goff and, and a quarterback making the, the coach look good, makes me wonder a little bit more about Ben Johnson too, the the Lions' offensive coordinator. Right. Um, you know, and we, we talked him up a little bit before, but he is the one. I, I feel like he has to get a lot of credit too for sort of bringing Jared Goff back from from the dead in in some respects. Um, and he has been a red hot candidate and I'd still be curious to, to find out what happened. I don't know if we ever will, but of all the, the 11 guys that the Titans tried to interview, Ben Johnson was the, the guy that, that never got scheduled. So I, I don't know whether there was a personality thing, exactly what the situation was, but yeah, I, I think Ben Johnson is going to be a guy that's going to be uh fun to watch and, and gets a lot of credit for, for Jared Goff too. Yeah, that's uh that's a that's an interesting point and uh um good luck i guess to the uh to the lions and and to the 49ers and to the uh the ravens and of course the kansas city chiefs are still playing at this time of year we should say that it uh um it wasn't that long ago that the titans were still playing at this time of year but uh it it's it's getting to be getting to be exciting and and maybe uh, you know I, I think Rand Carthen did talk about it that there were some challenges in terms of working around team schedules and when they would make guys available and uh i guess they just they just couldn't make that happen with Ben Johnson but that is a that is a good question um moving on John we we mentioned it at the top Brian Callahan comes in here with no illusions about uh whether or not he'll have final say on the uh on the roster decisions when it comes down to it uh uh what what do we make of of this uh this clear delineation of power and and is i mean is it a good thing is it is it a bad thing is it is it overblown what do you what do you think I think it's a good thing that it's defined and, and, you know, defined publicly uh, as well, because last year was, was seemingly forever up in the air, you know, as to who had the final say on this or the other. And, and I get the sense it was, it was, you know, up in the air, even amongst themselves uh, as well. And I guarantee you this, if if there was any question uh, of, of who had power, last year in between those those guys, Carthen and Brable, 
I'm sure Mike Brabel took a hold of whatever he could and said, well, I've been here five years already. I'm the guy. I'm going to make some decisions around here. And Rand Carthen probably said, hey, you know, I understand. I'll, I'll back off a little bit. I'm the new guy. Uh, you know, you've been here. I'll, I'll defer in this respect. Well, Rand Carthen doesn't have to worry about deferring uh, right now. He is the guy. Maybe Adam Strunk has, has made him the man in charge of all football, uh, everything on the football side, even having the final say on that 53-man roster, which I am sure every coach would prefer to have uh, as opposed to the general manager. I think it, it's hard to say too much. You know, you can say there were hits and misses for Rand Carthen in his first year. You know, Andre Dillard is going to come to mind as a guy that was certainly signed on his watch and it was, it was terrible. You know, on the other side of things, Al Shire – was good, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins, who was signed, uh, you know, on his watch, too. Turned out to be an excellent, excellent addition. Uh, the draft was so-so, I would say. They skipped getting a wide receiver until the seventh round. So, But I, I just think you, you can't judge him yet. Now you can really start to judge Rand Carthen because now we know exactly what he is responsible for. So it, it's much clearer picture other than what has been the past year where you said, well, was he the guy who really wanted Dillard? Did, did he? Was he the guy who really brought in Hopkins? You know, you didn't know how much of a role, rather, Mike Vrabel had in all these things. The, the one thing that concerns me is that uh, it, it feels like Amy Adams Strunk is passing the buck a bit to me here. That she, uh, uh, you know, because I, I, I think part of a, if you're the leader of any kind of organization and, and you're talking about you want a collaborative effort and this and that, and, you know, part of your responsibility as the leader is to create a collaborative atmosphere, whatever, whatever it takes to do that. And if, and if she couldn't do that when, with Rabel and Carthen and, and felt like she didn't want to do that, you know, have to do that anymore. Now she has created a situation where it's like, here, this is, this is how, this is the pecking order. Don't bother me with this stuff is, is almost the, the way it feels to me. And, uh, uh, it, it, it almost runs contradictory to what we heard going into this process was, you know, about how we, we want this to be, you know, a, a collaborative thing. It, you know, you, you just kept hearing that word over and over again. And, uh, uh, you know, you know, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm sure it does make it easier uh, to some degree on on most people from a day to day basis. But uh, uh, it, it, and to your point, John, it'll certainly make it easier to evaluate Rand Carthen now. But uh, but I'm not I'm not sure that this is this is a good thing. Donato, it kind of brings to mind, you know, Jeff Fisher and Floyd Reese didn't always see eye to eye. Did. Did the players know when when those sort of when when guys in those positions are butting heads and do uh, do the players take sides ever in those sorts of things? No, 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 because Sar's job was to put the team together and Jeff's job was to coach it, and our job was to play. We all knew we had a role, so if there was some friction, I didn't see it, uh, and not to mention you very rarely saw Sarge uh, if he came to practice. He's kind of you know. He's, he's kind of by himself, but no, I, I've never seen any dissensions between us two. Yeah, I, I mean, and the, like, there's no way that they it, that they did, and, and in later years, they sort of started to wrestle for a, a little power too. I remember it, it was the same sort of thing. One year, the media it, it was never 
like publicized, but one year the media guide comes out and Floyd Reese is now executive vice president, general manager. And then, oh, by the way, the next year the media guide comes out and Jeff Fisher is executive vice president, head coach. You know, Bud, you know, Bud dealt with these same sorts of issues back in the day. It's, it's, I mean, these are, these are accomplished people. They have egos, you know, egos do get in the way sometimes. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this will work out. It sort of one of the, one of the big takeaways from the press conference too. It, it sounded like one of the, one of the big things that uh, that Brian Callahan going had going in his favor was uh, he and he and Rand Carthen seemed to genuinely like each other right from the get go. You know, as John talked about, they had sort of a a common ground, and uh, apparently they they both felt like they just got along really well right from the start. That there wasn't uh, there there wasn't a feeling out process. So you know, maybe this maybe this will work. And I will say. You know, kind of, kind of what I talked about earlier. Callahan didn't project himself as a guy who has a huge ego and who needs to be recognized for every last little thing. Uh, uh, so, uh, so we'll see. But as we uh, as we come to the uh, final minutes here, um, John, any, any final thoughts? Anything we didn't get to that uh, that, that you'd like to talk about from this day? We've covered a pretty good amount. I, I was uh, was did find it interesting. Uh, you know, one report I saw today um, from uh, I think it was Albert Breer or maybe Jeremy Fowler, one of those guys, uh, said that um, the uh, the Titans have asked the Ravens' permission to talk to uh, their defensive backs coach Denard Wilson um, uh, for for their job as defensive coordinator, um, which uh, which is uh, is looks like quite a candidate. Ravens were the number one pass D this year. Uh, Denard Wilson was in um, Philly last year. They had the number one pass D last season as well. Uh, and, and Callahan was sort of asked about, you know, what are your defensive philosophies? He said, you know, I, I, the, I like the guys who have given me and my schemes the most problems over the years. Uh, and so clearly, you know, the, the Ravens and, and, uh, and this guy with his pass defense uh, fit into that category. And I think that's probably very welcome news for Titans fans because forever it seems like the Titans have struggled in the secondary. And, and maybe if they do wind up with Denard Wilson as a defensive coordinator, a big step toward a cure, perhaps. And and Denard, he he talked about too, he said, you know, that he, he sort of implied that the days of a three four or a four three that that those are gone. You know, you you have you're going to have multiple fronts. You're, you're going to have sometimes it, you you know your defense is going to be based on the coverage. H- have you seen that evolution in the game? The idea that that everybody has a a base defensive philosophy is a, is effectively gone. That that it's more these guys who can who can line up different spots and and do that sort of thing. And that's what you expect here now. Yeah, because if you look in 2021, you remember when Cincinnati played uh, Tennessee and yeah. that, that first series and Cincinnati got that interception with Jesse Bates? You know what that was. They schemed them. Yeah. They schemed them. And, and that was, that's what you have to do in this day and age. You don't have to just line up and say, well, we got this base front like everybody else. Be creative. That's what made, uh, I thought, made Green Bay so successful, gave them a chance the other day in the game, is that you don't have to run – some just defense like everybody else. Jerry Gray was very good at that. And what he made uh, teams do is rather than we just adjust to you, you try to adjust to us. So when you bring in new concepts, box triangles, 
yeah, don't be conventional. You know, go out of the box. And I think that's what Denard Wilson, would, if he is the defensive coordinator, he'll bring to this team. Well, we will see, and we will uh, we will update coach hirings as they come in on future episodes of Believe in Titans. Until then, thank you as always for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.